Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, good morning. I'm Derek. I'm one of the preachers here. David is away getting some much-needed rest. And we're in a series entitled Encounters with God. And I've been given the passage that we read this morning in John chapter, and, and not John, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. If this is your first time worshiping with us, you're not only welcomed here, uh, you're wanted here, and we're grateful to have you in worship this morning with us as we praise and glorify God together. If it's your first time, let me say it again. You're not only welcomed here, you're wanted here, and we're grateful to have you in worship. In this, the, and and we, we do hope you're enjoying our weather. Uh, <laughs> it can be very transformative. Amen. And so um, um, it, 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 it makes you think that uh, you can have eternity smoking or non-smoking. Amen. And I hope that this weather incentivizes you uh, to look to Jesus. Amen. Uh, so this morning, I want to ask you this question. Is there anything that's keeping you from following Jesus? Is there anything that's keeping you or standing in the way of you following Jesus? It could be pride. It could be some painful event from your past. It can be political ideology. So I was talking with Kira uh, as I was preparing this sermon, it, 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 it could be or could it be your own vision or dreams or goals and aspirations for your life and future? Maybe confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. Maybe it could be your comforts and your conveniences. Or some excuse that you have concocted and continue to edit in real time to convince yourself and others that you and God have some kind of understanding. Maybe, maybe it's what Bill Hull calls the false forgiveness only gospel. That it, it, the false forgiveness only gospel, it's a false gospel that teaches you that all you and I need is to confess our faith and, and make sure that uh, we, we, we trust God just to make sure we don't go south when we die. It's a forgiveness only gospel because it doesn't call you and I or require you and I to follow Jesus Christ in discipleship every day. <clears throat> or could it possibly be 
your possessions. Now, possessions are neutral. They're neither good nor bad. But, but here, here, here's, it's the way we understand our possessions and what they mean and the role they play in our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. What is it that's standing in the way of you following Jesus. We read this morning in the Gospel of Mark that what was standing in the, the, the way of the young man that we read about, it was indeed his possessions. Now, now, now here's my point. Possessions can drive us away from God through idolatry or they can draw us closer to God through sacrifice. It ain't fancy, but it's my point. Your possessions, whatever that is, it can drive you away from God in idolatry, or it can draw you closer to God in sacrifice. This is a fascinating passage and the context, if you go home and read it or like I do, listen to it uh, on Bible Gateway as you're riding along in the car, you, you, the context of the passage really picks up in Mark chapter 9 around verse 33 where the disciples are having kind of dis a dispute about who's the greatest. And, and, and who's going to sit on Jesus' left and who's going to sit on Jesus' right? You know, they just want the best seats in the house. And so Jesus begins to unfold for those first disciples what it really looks like to be great in the kingdom of God. And so he gets here to this, uh, we get here to this passage and, 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 and Jesus, the Bible tells us, is on his way to Jerusalem. And you know what he's going to Jerusalem to do, remember? And while he's on his way, a, 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 a young man, it, it, it just says a man here in Mark, but uh, um, the, all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record this narrative. And Matthew tells us he's a, 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 he's a rich and, he, and, and he's a man, I think. And Luke tells us he's young. And so that's how we get this rich young man. He's a ruler in the synagogue, which means uh, uh, he's a leader. So, I mean, he has everything going for him, right? He's rich. He has money. He has wealth. He has resources. He's young. He has his youth, which always comes with inexperience. And, and, and he, he's rich and he's young. He's in authority. He has everything going for him. And so he comes to Jesus and, 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 and I wish I could spend time here. He says, he says uh, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's really a good question. The problem is not in his question uh, 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 per se. Uh, it, it, it's in his understanding of the future. He says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God or eternal life? 
And so Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes to him uh, 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 and, 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 and he's patient with him and he says, uh, uh, well, tell me what, the, what, what do the commandments say? And he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a ruler in the synagogue, so he knows the commandments. And, 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 the, and he says, uh, Jesus, you know, says, you know, you, you, you've grown up with the Torah. You know what it requires. Uh, 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 do not... Uh, 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 Murder, do not uh, commit adultery, do not steal, do not fair, bear false witness. And, and Matt, Mark adds this one, do not defraud, which probably relates to coveting, which is the 10th commandment. And then honor your father and, and mother. Now notice now, these are all external, horizontal commandments. And he says, well, all right. I've done all those things. I'm good. And Jesus says, aha, but there's one more thing. Uh, 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 I want you to do this. I want you to go and sell all ALL of your possessions. I want you to take the proceeds of the sale and I want you to give that, that money to the poor, watch this, and then I want you to come and follow me. He was doing good until Jesus showed him his sin, right? He said, uh, 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 I, well, if, if it comes down to keeping the rules, we straight. But Jesus said, but, but there's one more thing. If you really want to follow me, if you really want to inherit eternal life, then take everything you have, all your possessions, and I want you to sell them. I want you to take the proceeds, give to the poor, and follow me. And the Bible says that everything changes. See, because we're usually doing good thinking that we're humming along, we're coming to worship every weekend, we have a private spiritual formation, we try to give generously and be good people, until Jesus says, you got to give up something. you got to let go of something. That's how we are. We're good. And, and, and the Bible says that he went away sad. Why? Because he had plenty he had abundance. He had wealth. And Jesus reveals what the real issue is. The real issue is he's trying to keep the, what we call the second table of the law. Honor your father and mother. You shall not st steal. You shall not murder. You shall not uh, commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness. Do not covet. But Jesus exposes his sin. And you know what it is? It's he's breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. That's his sin. It's our sin, isn't it? Jesus exposes the young man's sin. He is close in relationship with Jesus Christ. He's closer to salvation than anything he could do. And he didn't want Jesus to be his savior. He just wanted Jesus to show him the way to be his own savior. 
Alfred Edersheim, in a 100-year-old book entitled The Life and Times of Jesus and Messiah, you should get it. It's a great read. Listen what, what, what uh, uh, Alfred Edersheim says about this. He, 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 he lacks one thing, and what he lacked was earth's poverty and heaven's riches. He lacked a heart fully set on following Christ. And this could only come to him through willing surrender of everything. And so this was to him alike the means, the test, and the need. To him it was this. To us it may be something quite other. Yet each of us has a lack. Something quite deep down in our hearts which we may never yet have known and which we must know and give up if we would follow Jesus Christ. And listen to this. And without forsaking, there can be no following. This is the law of the kingdom. And it's such because we are sinners. Because, because, listen, sin is not only the loss of the good, but the possession of something else in its place. Sin is not just the loss of the good, but the possession of something else in its place. <clears throat> And this is who we are, right? We're idolaters. We fear love. We, 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 when we should fear love and trust God above all things, we fear love and trust all things above God. What is Jesus calling you to give up? What is Jesus calling you and inviting you to give up to follow him? I want to challenge you and encourage you this morning to ask God to help you recognize what is standing in the way of you following him in discipleship in the everyday stuff of life. He had everything, but he had nothing. He was rich in physical material, but in, 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 in spiritual uh, things, he was in poverty. And, 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 I, and I, I, can, I can totally relate. I mean, when I'm, when I'm studying a passage, I'm always looking to who do I identify with this passage, in this passage, and, and, it, and it, ain't, it ain't never Jesus. I'm this rich young man because I find security and safety and freedom and power and independence in my possessions. Oh, yes, I do. I don't know how long it's been since you know, since you, since you can remember how it felt like when uh, you had more month 
than you had money. I don't know how long it's been since uh, you've experienced or witnessed severe sickness. And I always, just just me now, I'm not talking about you, I always struggle with finding uh, uh, wealth in my health. Or comfort and security in my financial resources. Because I fail to remember that, that finances and possessions and, and, and stuff is just that. It's just a resource. It's not the source. God, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me take you back. God is the source. Everything else is a resource. Resources run out. Resources break down. Resources go out of style and then come back in style. They are resources. We need the source. David, Moses says in, in, in Deuteronomy 8, and Jesus repeats it in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4, God says man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen, my friends, you and I need to be confronted with our sin of idolatry where we fear love and trust uh, stuff above God. You've got to deal with that. Because we don't, we, don't like, we, we, we don't like pointing out other people's trash, but we definitely don't want anybody rummaging through our own. Jesus exposes his sin. And let me tell you something. If you're going to if you're going to have an encounter with Jesus, he is going to expose your sin. I'm talking about the real Jesus now. I'm talking about the Jesus of Scripture, who's loving and just. Jesus exposes his sin. But secondly, Jesus uh, 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 explains the impossibility of salvation. This young man walks away, and you know what? I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't try to stop him. Because Jesus is not going to lower the standards of righteousness so anybody and everybody can get in. This is the kingdom we're talking about. Not the country club. This is the kingdom. Jesus explains the impossibility of salvation. Notice what he does in verse 23, if you're tracking with me. He turns to his disciples because he already knows that their backs are up and they're paying strict attention. And he says to them, I love this. This is not going to be easy. This is not going to be convenient. It is impossible, Jesus says. For those who put their confidence and their trust 
in their possessions. And when I say possessions, I don't want you to just think money because I'm looking at all of us and I know many of us and all of us ain't balling and shot calling. Some of y'all ain't got no money, so I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about that thing that you're holding on to, that you put your fear, love, and trust, and confidence in, that you feel like you cannot live without. That's your possession. It may be your image. It may be your reputation. Whatever that possession is, that's what I'm talking about. For this man, it was, it's, it, 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 we need to, the word, Greek word here is not a, a, a mammon, it's actually the word for real estate. He, he, has, he has land. <laughs> My granddaddy used to always say, uh, buy land because they ain't making no more. That's what he always said. He said, if, you, if you're going to buy anything, he said, buy some land because they ain't going to make no more of it. That's what he used to say. This possession. And Jesus says, it is impossible. Now, there are a lot of ideas about what Jesus means here because he's noticed now in verses 23 through, 23 through 27, if you read the text, Jesus says it twice. That's, he, he, he really wants us to get that. that that's like, that's like in, 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 in the first century, they didn't have exclamation marks, so they would say things twice for emphasis. This is Jesus using an exclamation mark. He's saying, he, listen, he, 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 he says, he says, it's difficult because clearly a camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. Let me tell you something. I can barely see how to put a thread through the eye of a needle myself. But, but, but Jesus, he, he, he's describing an impossible scenario here. Entering God's kingdom necessitates great sacrifice. It, discipleship costs something. And if wealth or possessions stand between a person and God, it's wealth and possessions that must be sacrificed. And what Jesus is doing here is he affirms that it is possible for God to change a person's heart even when the situation seems impossible. Like this one. God can transform Hearts. And when I say heart, now you know I'm not talking about, even though we use the Greek word cardia, I'm talking about your immaterial heart, your inner self. Mind, will, emotions, intellect, imagination. Jesus declares, without God, there is no way you and I can enter the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I didn't put it up, but here it is. The kingdom of God, whenever you see that in the Bible, because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, that's how he started his ministry, right? The kingdom of God is here. Repent, for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. The kingdom of God is the restoration of God's rule over everything. Woo, I like that. The kingdom of God is the restoration of God's rule over everything. And when he says everything, he means everything. 
from money to sex, from uh, 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 how you deal with conflict to how you rest your body. It's the restoration of God's rule over everything. And, 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 and Jesus is clear that, that, that to, to get in the kingdom with, it, it, with, with humans, it's impossible, but with God, it's not impossible. It, it, everything that you and I receive from God is because of God's gracious, merciful, kind, generous, loving, patient, long-suffering, enduring, putting up with your mess, your wishy-washiness, your inconsistence, your unreliableness, your, 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 your undependent. He, he puts up with that. And, 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 and listen, he does that all not because of anything that you do, but because of his love for his son and his, his son's love for you. Every single thing. Now, I know this is a mixed crowd, and there may be some people that believe you choose Jesus. Well, the scriptures don't quite bear that out. Jesus, God always does the choosing. He chose to create Adam and Eve. Then, at Adam and Eve, he chose Abel's offering out of that, over Cain. And then, he chose Seth. God, God always does the choosing. He does the choosing. He does the electing. He does the justifying. He, he does the regeneration. He does the sanctifying. He does the glorifying. And all you and I do is stand there and do the believing. I think that's a good deal. <laughs> Amen. All I do is stand there and do the believing. And according to Mark chapter 9, verse 24, we're marching like that father who needed his son healed. And we need to repeat, repent those same words, Lord, I believe. It's my unbelief I'm struggling with. Salvation is God's work, and that's good news. You, don't, you and I don't have to put up the work. Listen, salvation is not a human achievement, but a divine accomplishment. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Let go of your confidence in your attempts to earn or achieve or deserve your way into the kingdom of God. Just lay there and get the massage. Get the facial. Get the manicure and the pedicure. What God is doing in Jesus Christ is coming and serving you and serving me. Jesus explains the impossibility of salvation. It's not humanly possible, he says, but with God. And thank God that by God it's possible because God is able to go in under the hoods of our lives and change and replace what needs to be changed. Lastly, Jesus, prom Jesus promises eternal rewards. I would be just like those disciples, and I would probably, knowing my personality, I know I would be like Peter. And I would be saying, well, wait a minute now. Because, you know, in the first century, rabbis equated uh, financial resources and possession and success with the blessing of God. So they're looking and seeing that this man who would be considered great can't get into the kingdom of God. And so all kind of red flags start going up and they say, well, he hasn't given up anything and he can't get in. And oh, whoa, whoa, Yeshua, 
We've given up everything to follow you. Jesus has an answer. He gives that promise. He says, listen, you see it there? Verse picks up in verse 28. Truly I say to you in verse 29, Jesus says there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, watch this, with suffering, with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus, listen, Jesus promises what this young man in, 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 would not give up. He promises treasure in heaven where neither moth or rust can corrupt it and where thieves can't break through and steal it, where a, a, a city or municipalities can't come in and take your uh, property using eminent domain. Jesus says, I've got something better than down here. I promise and guarantee you that I can give you something more valuable, something uh, 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 more real, something everlasting that cannot be destroyed or stolen or corrupted. I can promise you something to look forward to. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You don't have to try to walk the chalk line of good works and trying to be a good person to maintain it. I can give you something better. I can offer you something eternal. I'm, I, I'm, I'm offering you myself. And with, with me... If you get me, whew, you get everything. I've told you that story about Miss Minnie Johnson, haven't I? You remember? Miss Minnie Johnson was a, a woman. She had a son, good son, but he left home. As he got older, he, he left home and, and he wouldn't come back to even visit his mother. He didn't even call like he should. He was a good son growing up, but when he left, he just left. And so one day, Miss Johnson died. And Miss Johnson had some, 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 some very uh, uh, exquisite uh, stuff in her house. She had pic pictures and uh, uh, jewelry and, 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 and all kinds of uh, priceless and valuable heirlooms. And they tried to get in touch with her son, but they couldn't get in touch with him. So they had to take her stuff and they, they, they decided to just auction it off. 
Well, they went to the armory because it was the biggest place in town, and they took uh, all of Ms. Johnson's stuff and put it in this armory, and, and everyone in this small town, I mean everyone came, and, and, and because they knew the quality and taste and the value of Ms. Johnson's stuff. And so the auctioneer and the lawyer are there, and the auctioneer begins to, 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 to start auctioning off. And the first thing on the auction block is a picture of Miss Johnson's son. Well, the hall is angry because they know that her son is not even there and they can't reach him. And so, and so a man way in the back goes and starts, uh, uh, after they start auctioning off the picture, he makes a bid for the picture and he gets the picture for $5. I mean, a picture of her son. She loved her son. She was crazy about her son. Her love for her son never changed. And they, he got that picture of her son for $5. And after that, they began, the auctioneer and the attorney began to shut the auction down. They were packing up to leave. The crowd goes crazy. They're angry. Because they don't understand. Wait a minute. There's still plenty of valuable stuff in this armory that we can go for. We haven't been given a chance to get it. And the, the, the auctioneer turns to the attorney and the attorney turns to the auctioneer. And they're looking at each other, debating and arguing about who's going to go back and explain what's going on. And finally, the attorney goes and says, quiet down. Let me explain. Miss Johnson had a will. And in her will, there was a stipulation. The stipulation was that whoever got her son could have all of her stuff. The entire section of scripture we just read emphasizes that riches make being a disciple difficult. But the rewards of discipleship are worth more than material possessions. Jesus does not teach that wealth is evil. He did not teach that poverty is better than riches. He did not teach that only the poor can be saved. But what Jesus is teaching here is that wealth often is a hindrance. Your possession can often be a hindrance to repentance and acceptance of the gospel and that discipleship is costly. He says, give it up to that rich young ruler. The disciple says, we've given everything up. But Jesus is the ultimate picture of the greatest becoming the lowest. Jesus is the ultimate picture of what he is asking these disciples and you and I to do every day. Day. 
Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And unlike the rich young man, Jesus gave up all that he had for people who didn't deserve it. He gave it up. He gave it up. Paul says it, he, who, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is asking you to do what he's already done for you. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you and I by his poverty might become rich. If you get the son... You get everything. But what's, what's standing in the way of you following Jesus? I'm done. I think I'm doing good on time, actually, and I'm really proud of that. There was, when I was growing up, I, I play piano. I know it, it's hard to believe. I don't look like I do, but I do. I was taking piano lessons, and so they thought it would be good if I was the, 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 the pianist for our Sunday school. So we had come in, have Sunday school devotion, and that's where I was already Methodist, and one of the ways you learn hymns was going to Sunday school. And one of the hymns that I had to learn, I, I, I loved it, and I thought about it as I was preparing this message or as the Lord was uh, working on me with this message. And there's this hymn. <clears throat> on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, an emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a crown. Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It's your spirit that produces the fruit. Now I pray that your spirit will teach us, that he will transform us, until Jesus Christ is formed in us. 
We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Every believer said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.